If you missed any of Rogan and Rodney, you can podcast it on the iHeartRadio app. Rogan and Rodney. AM 570 LA Sports. You don't even call for me. Oh yeah, Rodney Pete, Fred Rogan on a Monday. We continue on. Let's go. Let's go. We got lots to talk about. Time is flying on this Monday. The home of the Dodgers. With an inside look at the Dodgers, this is the Vasse Report with David Vasse. Brought to you by Navian Tankless Water Heaters. Okay, let's bring him on right now, David Vasse. And Dave, good afternoon to you. Hi, Rodney. How are you? Hope your knees are feeling good. You know, that's so wrong, Dave. <laughs> that's so wrong. What? Dave. I'm how concerned are you, about Rodney's knees. He played in the NFL. Yeah, he had his procedure yes. five years ago, Dave. Thanks oh, okay. for asking, Dave. Well, I hope your Appreciate knees are okay, too, Fred. I'm fine. Thank you for asking and being so kind about it. Dave, I, I, I'm not pleased with Major League Baseball having the Dodgers start at 7 o'clock Eastern instead of 1 o'clock and then flying all the way home and having to play mm-hmm. a game tonight. Are the Dodgers pleased with that? Yeah, because the players uh, had to get compensated extra for agreeing to play that game. Oh, they do? Look, oh, they after did? This... Oh. oh, yeah. Yeah, the players agreed to this on both sides because – before, that would happen often, and over the course of the last collective bargaining agreement, Major League Baseball Players Association put it in there. If they're on Sunday night baseball, uh, the team that is playing doesn't need to travel across the country and cross two time zones. But unless they get um, a waiver, I guess, from the players and the teams, then they can go ahead and do it. So that's why they played last night on Sunday night baseball, and I would imagine there was some monetary incentive to waive. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 mm. I, there better be because I, I, I get, even even if it wasn't even oh, Sunday please. night, it was a 1 o'clock game, Dave, you would think that they wouldn't have to play, turn around and fly six hours and play the next day. Yeah, there's always complaints about the schedule making, but they do the best they can. And, yeah, I I don't feel bad for anybody involved because they agreed to play that Sunday night baseball game. Dave, you said. Get your money, Dave. Get your money. Yo, how much do they make, Dave? How much extra? Are you always asking somebody's paycheck, Fred? Why you sure, I have no idea what that number is, Fred. Why you want to dig in somebody's paycheck, Fred? Why? Well, it obviously was worth enough to play on Sunday night baseball. All right. You said make up a and game. And by the way, uh, they and by the way, they do play a game. It's baseball. It's not like they're going to dig ditches today, Fred. You know, there's a lot of other bigger problems going on in the world other than playing Sunday night baseball and having to play baseball again in Los Angeles. No, I understand. Let's put Dave. that in context. Well, no, I get that, but I mean, you're going to get back at like four in the morning, and you know so they're professionals. Okay, well, but they must be professional sleepers as well. Dave is saying, stop complaining, Fred, and play ball. Well, they're going yeah, to you're play cranky tonight. because your knees are cranky, Fred. No, my knee's fine. It feels much better than it did. Thank you. I keep massaging it. <laughs> you didn't need to know that. All right, Dave, you said make up a game a week and they'll be fine. They made up a game last week on the Giants. So they're going in the right direction, right? Did they, though? I don't think they did, Fred. They came back uh, awash. They left L.A. four games back, and they're coming back four games back. Yeah, but I look at it like they picked one up, even though they lost <laughs> one. So it, it, it's a pickup, Dave. It's a good thing. Because okay. in the middle of that, right, they lost Fred. one day and they picked it back up, Fred. Yeah, but I yeah, don't count they should that. have you talk to the team, figure out the math. Yeah, no, I don't count. <laughs> yeah, I I would say this, Fred. In in all seriousness, um, I felt like that East Coast road trip could have been worse 
because the Phillies were had won eight in a row when the Dodgers got to town. The Dodgers had to go through two rain delays, an hour and 44 minutes, and then the second game, 53 minutes. They win those two games. They take two out of three against the Phillies and cool them off. Then go to New York, who's trying to play for their playoff lives at this point in time because they're in third place now in the NL East, and they go in and win two extra inning games and then blow them out last night. So all in all, considering the Giants were playing the Diamondbacks and Rockies in San Francisco, I would say coming back the same number of games that you left is a, is a victory. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And it feels like they're, they're starting to get it, get it going, Dave, although you know, we hear the reports that, you know, from Cody Bellinger that you know, his shoulder has been sore and it's not the same, even though he had it repaired. What do you know about that and what's come out about him and his swing and some of the difficulty that he's been having? Yeah, I've been telling you guys that since spring training. You know, guys like Adrian Gonzalez and Hanley Ramirez had similar surgeries to their lead shoulder, and they told me that you may be playing, you may be on the field, but you're not going to feel like yourself until a year later. And Cody's experiencing that. And he also did say that when he broke his fibula in his left leg and he strained his left hamstring, he started to neglect the exercises to continue to strengthen his right shoulder. So part of this is on him for not uh, continuing to work with that right shoulder. So you have to take accountability, Rodney. Yeah, you do. No, I'm, I'm with you. And that's the number one thing from a surgery and injury. And I'm telling you this, Fred, don't neglect other things in your body. Because then, then your 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 right ankle is going to start hurting, and your right shoulder is going to start hurting because you're compensating with that knee. But you're absolutely right, Dave. That's right, Fred. Stay on the program. Thank you, Dave. Uh, Dodger signed Evan Phillips. What do we know about him? I have no idea who he is. Don't ask me that, Fred. <laughs> well, he's a pretty good reliever in Tampa Bay. No. Well, if he was so good, why did they release him? They have too many. Oh, okay. I have no idea who he is. Well, he's going to be on the roster, Dave. Well, when he comes into a game, I'll see whether or not he's good or not. And then I'll let you know. <laughs> kind of like Yoshi Suzuko. You put me on. Like you were asking me about Yoshi Suzuko for a week straight. I never asked him about him. Over the weekend. Do you actually believe the Tampa Bay Rays, who are in first place in the ALEs, are just going to let go of good players in the middle of the year in August? Personality issue. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you know, you, you saw last night um, that kid, Reed, who was with the Dodgers for a cup of coffee and also with the San Francisco Giants to start the year, was now pitching for the Mets. So uh, different teams have different needs some more than others, and the Dodgers are trying to piece together their pitching staff, not just rotation, because they've used their bullpen quite a bit, and they also are a little thin for uh, for tonight's game. It's a bullpen game tonight, so that's probably why they picked this kid up from Tampa Bay. Uh, he's a body, he's an arm, and they need him tonight, and they may need him Wednesday when Mitch White starts and uh, goes the bulk inning. So that's the reason behind them signing What's his name again? Evan Phillips. <laughs> Got it. Captain, yeah. Captain Phillips. Him out here. They better not uh, give him a good number. 
They're gonna give him like seventy nine or something like that. It'll be it'll be his number. If they give I, him thirty four, I'll be very upset. <laughs> oh, they better not. Uh, hey, Dave. You know, no matter how good you are or good athlete you are, you know, when you change position, it's going to be a, an an adjustment. And we see, we're seeing that with with Trey Turner playing second base. You don't think that's going to be any kind of issue? He'll grow into playing that position, right? Actually, Rodney, the first day he was a Dodger, he said that was his greatest concern, turning the double play. And I actually noticed he was mocking himself in the dugout last weekend against the Angels where he did turn the double play but had an awkward throw. So the throwing angle is different, obviously, from second base, and that's something that he's acknowledged that he has to get reaccustomed to because he hasn't played second base since 2016. But last night, you know, scoring 14 runs and hitting five home runs, it did overshadow a lot of mental and physical defensive mistakes that have plagued the Dodgers all season long. And Dave Roberts' tone after the game reflected that. So the focus on defense has been a challenge for the Dodgers this year, and they're not going to win many playoff games if they continue to allow the opponent to have extra outs and make their starting pitcher throw extra pitches. Hey Dave. Hey Dave. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry, Go ahead, Rodney. Go ahead. I, I, well, I'm One at about a time. That. It's school yeah. time. Back to school. Raise your hands. <laughs> yeah, raise your hand, Fred. Uh, well, I'm thinking about that, Dave, because you know we're. I'm, I'm a big champion of, of Dave Roberts, especially when you get crazy fans want to throw him out after winning a World Series. But what happened the other night um, of Matt Beatty coming into coming into pinch hit and them trying to wave him back and and that whole kind of fiasco is what it played out to be looked like at least um what happened in that whole scenario Dave? yeah it wasn't as big of a fiasco as originally thought because the dodgers had no intention of bringing julio back for the sixth inning they just did not want to burn a bench player because justin turner was still not really available off the bench so he was short off the bench and just wanted to have julio take the at bat with two outs and nobody on and, yeah, that's a miscommunication, <laughs> a big communi- miscommunication from the bench. Uh, Matt Beatty's on deck, and he's walking towards home plate. you got to call him back, or you got to let him know before he goes on the on-deck circle. If there's two outs and nobody on, you're coming yeah. back in the dugout. So it was one of those things, and uh, it didn't have a great bearing on the game, luckily. But, yeah, it was a, it was a miscommunication night that Saturday or Friday night, sorry, Friday night. Hey, Dave, I just Whenever want to go back to the pitching for a second. Uh, Phil Bickford, who who really has a rubber arm. I mean, I've Oaks, never, Oaks Christian, Oaks Christian guy, Haley Rogan yeah. went to school with him. Yeah, I, I did. She I, really? Yeah, I've never. Did I've, she know him? Yeah, she knew him. Um, I've never seen a guy in in Major League Baseball today as a reliever pitch as many innings as often as he does. Is, is his performance surprising you? Yeah, very much so, because the Brewers, a very good team, just discarded him after a month into the season. And the Dodgers have unlocked something with not only Phil Bickford, but also Ansi Alex Vesia, who looks a lot more comfortable and confident out there compared to where he was at the beginning of the year. Yeah, Phil Bickford, Fred, to to your question, yeah, I have seen a pitcher throw as much as he has, and his name was Pedro Baez. And essentially, Phil Bigford has taken that role. Uh, One of the few pitchers in the bullpen that Dave Roberts can go to almost every night and pitch three out of four nights consistently and pitch multiple innings in high-leverage situations. He's even wearing Pedro's number, 52. So 
he has taken that role in every sense of it. Yeah, he's been, without him, the Dodger bullpen would not be as stable as it has been the second half of the year. And talking about Vessia, he's now fun to watch. I mean, he, he really looks confident when he's out there on the hill. Uh, I mean, Yeah, it, and they, they traded a really good relief pitcher for him during the offseason, Dylan Floro, uh, betting on the stuff that they saw on the spreadsheets, and he started to get more confident, and hopefully he can continue that because they do need a lefty to emerge out of that bullpen. They've been waiting for one of those guys to raise their hands, and Vestia might be that guy now. Uh, Dave, Mookie Betts, you know, as as we go through this season, he obviously was dealing with this. I think you mentioned that early on, that he doesn't seem right and something's going on. Um, are, are we going to – I know it's a tricky thing with him. Do you sit him down? Do you put him down for the rest of the year? Do you let him rest him more and come back? Put him down. Like He's a, not a horse. No, I'm not down, Dave. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> I love you, brother, because you keep it honest and keep it real. I love you, you know Rod. Yeah, just playing. I uh, know, but 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 do you? Because it doesn't feel like this year that hip is going to get better. It's not going to get better without rest or yeah. possibly even surgically repaired. And I don't even know what that entails. Talking to Mookie, he's not sure what that entails. It's not as simple as what it's being made out to be. And I feel like. Dave Roberts is just saying that. So, you know, it's as simple as a description as you can give. Bone spurs in the right hip. Mookie has been very detailed in his description about the injury with me. And we'll just leave it at bone spurs. But they did give him an injection uh, the last few days to see whether or not that kind of subsides the pain. It's not going to fix anything. It's just going to allow him to play through the pain. And we'll see whether or not it works. There's a real chance that he will try it again and he won't be able to continue. So I feel like this is the last chance for Mookie and his right hip to see whether or not he could play the rest of the year. And we don't know when he's going to try again? We don't know that. Okay. Well, Dave, I do know Clayton Kershaw is going to play catch today. Okay. All right. Well, listen. You know what you know, you don't know what you don't know. And that's that always mean? appreciated. What does that mean, Fred? This was a short amount of time, Fred. I'm surprised you only kept me for 17 minutes and 28 seconds. <laughs> but who's counting? Yeah, I was going to say, time flies when you're not having fun, Dave. <laughs> All right, Rodney, thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. My All man. Right. Goodbye, Dave. Uh, you know, we'll review what we talked about earlier. On what happened out at SoFi on Saturday night. If you were there, uh, we'll invite you to call at 866-987-2570. Took some calls in the first hour. But if you were there around the fight, if you know the people involved, if you know how it started, you might want to give us a call. Oh, yeah. Ride the beat. Fred Rogan on a Monday. He's back, y'all. He oh, is back. back. I'm back, Rodney. He's back, and he's bad, and he's back. Uh, if you didn't hear us during the noon hour, just a couple of quick thoughts on what happened at SoFi on Saturday. And uh, it's really pretty simple. Alcohol, testosterone, mix them together, and you have a recipe for disaster. Are fights unusual at NFL stadiums? No, they're not. 
you happen to see that one on social media. There were some from the, the Raider game in Vegas on Saturday as well. Yeah, and oftentimes people get clocked. Happens all the they time. Get- they clocked. They just do. Right? They, yes, they, they do. They don't do the mush face like you would say. No, they get clocked. No. No, they do. The guy itself, I got it pretty good. Yeah. Something, and and a lot of people sometimes, unfortunately, go there looking for fights. Right. So what do you do? How does it get fixed? A couple of things. Number one, yes, there were some issues with what happened in the preseason game Saturday. And uh, fans called, talked about it, and the Rams know this. You know, from people sneaking into other sections where they shouldn't be. uh, We were told they ran out of food. The beer was warm. All of that is going to be corrected. Parking was difficult. They'll correct that. They will work on that. Overall, the stadium experience is magnificent. And the majority of people had that to say. So what do you do about the violence in the stands? Let's just cut to the chase, make it real simple. You're going to have to beef up security. It's going to cost more, but they're going to have to do it. And tonight on Channel 4, I'll do a commentary, and I'll talk about they should have guys the size of bouncers there. It's going to cost money. Mm -hmm. You need real security. Yeah. Not as you said in the first hour, Barney Fife. Correct. Hey, you guys, knock Correct. it off. You, you better yeah. stop that right now. No. Yeah. You need yeah. people some of the, in there. Some of the folks, and no disrespect, but that that when that went down, and again, poor poor Usher, hats off to her for even tr- attempting to try to get in the middle of it. But, yeah, seeing some of the people that, you don't, there's nothing they could do getting into the middle of, of something that, that when they're, you know, a small person or even sometimes a small female that's uh, security that you got a 300-pound guy or 250-pound guys going at it in the stands, you do need to you need to have some guys that are big enough like bouncers to be able to to, to handle that situation. Um, so that, that they'll need to do. They'll have to increase that in this. We're not putting up with it. It's a zero-tolerance policy. You do it, you're gone. And you're not coming back. You're just not coming back. Sorry you got drunk. Sorry you got upset. Sorry somebody said something you didn't want to hear. Sorry somebody was the instigator. You threw a punch. You got to go. You got to go. You got to go. We just can't have it. We won't have it. Yeah, we won't have it. You can't do it. And that brings up, Fred, I, I don't know if you had a chance to see it, but I, I encourage everyone to watch the the documentary on Netflix, The Malice at the Palace. It's, I mean, I think they did a 30 for 30 on it before, but but this is a different perspective. Jermaine O'Neal was the executive producer of it, who was one of the players on the Pacers. But it was an extraordinary documentary from from the, from a player's perspective, and then the fallout that they got from from the fans going crazy in the stands and that fight that all that broke out that it you know spread onto the court. But it was just it just reminded me of that. But but yeah, things are going to happen. It goes to show you things happen in the stands at sporting events all the time. I mean, soccer games are crazy and all kinds of things around the world. So we're not we're not the only ones here in LA at SoFi that are dealing with this. This happens all the time. But to your point, you have to you have to take a hard line stance to nip it all in the bud. So somebody's gonna think twice when they come to the stadium and somebody either antagonizes them, instigates, whatever you want to call it, you're gonna think twice about engaging, knowing that if you do, you may not come back to another game. Yeah. And look, this happens at Dodger Stadium. It happens, I'm sure, down in Anaheim. It happens. We had a caller in the first hour say, yeah, well, that wasn't the only fight. I saw one, too. Because it happens. It has happened. It will always happen. You are never going to eliminate that. You can't. 
Oh, yeah. I was at both those Astros games, and it happened at Dodger Stadium. It was, I mean, especially the first night, it was ongoing in different sections of the stadium. It wasn't just one. There's about five or six of them that broke out during that game and during those, those two nights. So it, it definitely happens everywhere, and people are passionate. And when you mix that with alcohol, things are going to happen. Again, I guess the, the point that you're saying is, is it will get rectified, but you definitely have to have and beef up security, especially at a new place like SoFi. I think that, that people are excited to get there. There's going to be, you know, and football is a different animal because the testosterone is really, really high in, in those scenarios. And again, like like you mentioned, and one of the callers mentioned, the Raiders are coming to town, and you know that Raider fans love to mix it up. So that that'll be, I, I, I'm sure that is a game that they already marked on the calendar that we will beef up security for that game, especially. But now it feels like they got to do it for every game. You know, just try to keep one thing in mind, and it might be hard because you're passionate about your team. Uh, you don't play for the team. You are not on the team. The team doesn't pay you. I mean, if I got my name on the back of the jersey I'm wearing, I, I don't. I'm you're, not a member of that team. Frank. You're not going out there. You're not taking the field. Your 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 position is stands. Your possession <laughs> is section five. That's your position. You're not on the team. I know you want to support your team. You want to root for the Rams. You want to root for the Chargers or the Raiders. I know you're not going to take it. You're not on the team. You don't get paid by the team. If you're walking down the street and you're wearing a shirt that says Albertsons. And a guy from across the street yells, hey, man, I think the produce is better at Ralph's. You don't immediately run across the street and beat the hell out of him. You don't do that. If you're walking down the street and you're hey, I'm shirt- a bondsman myself. Okay, you're a bondsman. I mean, if you pull up to the, the traffic light and you're in a Toyota and the guy next to you says, man, you ought to check out my Nissan. You don't get out of the car and start throwing hands through the window. You just don't do it. So, you're not on the team. Even if you're wearing a Rams shirt or a jersey, and the other person is wearing a Chargers jersey, and they say something, understand, it's great to be a fan. It's great to support the team. It's the only thing where you spend money, and the only tangible return you get is emotion. We get all that. There's no reason to start fighting with somebody. They're just is not because really and and i hope you don't take this the wrong way the team wants you there they want you to spend money they want you to be a fan they don't really care about you they don't they want you there they love your support they want you to be a part of the experience well you just hit you hit some reality right there fred boy that hurts but it's true (laughs) it's true. I mean, if, if you're sick in bed, I don't think that Sean McVay calls your house and says, you're a season ticket holder. How you doing? Are you having soup? They don't do that. It's a business. So enjoy the experience, support your team, but there's no reason to start trying to beat the living crap out of somebody. First, you don't know if they don't do that, Fred. You know, if you were a seasoned seat holder, they can have one of those automated messages from Sean McVay. Hello, Fred. I heard you just had <laughs> knee surgery. I hope you're doing very well, and we hope to see you at SoFi later this year. Fred. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I'm still waiting for that call. Yeah. Do you believe the numbers? Do you believe... 
the numbers. Because if you believe the numbers, Rob Polinka is a genius. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Bringing you LA's best sports talk weekdays, noon to three. Rogan and Rodney. Oh, yeah. Coming at you on a Monday, Rodney Pete, Fred Rogan, who is back. Back in full flex. From knee surgery. He's good. He's I'm, good. I'm moving. He's good. He's oh, up yeah. and moving. I'm moving. Love it. Uh, All right, Fred, you teased us with what you talked about now. Yeah. Rob Palink is a genius. Well, no, I said. Oh. Is that what I said? Yeah. Oh, well, so, maybe if the numbers bear that out, he will yeah. be. Look, uh, when he put this team together, so last year, you know, he won the offseason. Everybody celebrated. It was a disaster. Okay, now this year he puts a team together, and you're like, oh, they're all applying for their AARP cards, and uh, what in God's name could it be thinking? But now listen to this. If you just look at the numbers, and this is pretty interesting, Basketball Index has done a breakdown of the Lakers. And so this would be analytics, right? If you're building the team, you'd use numbers, you'd use analytics. And uh, listen to what they did. One of the big concerns last year with the Lakers was when LeBron's not on the court, you know, they're not good. That we knew. Listen to this. Uh, the Lakers, if you have this, this lineup in without LeBron, these guys can get to the rim and finish. Russell Westbrook, Malik Monk, Talon Horton Tucker, Carmelo Anthony, and Dwight Howard. This is a lineup that can score and get to the rim without LeBron in the game. And this is just based, Rodney, on analytics. Uh-huh. All right? So this lineup, in theory, works without LeBron. Let's say Anthony Davis is in the game, but LeBron is not, and Russell Westbrook is not. This lineup allows them to get Anthony Davis to finish at the rim Space the floor and score. Kendrick Nunn, Wayne Ellington, Kent Bazemore, Carmelo Anthony, and Anthony Davis. This is a productive lineup. So both of the lineups now I've given you do not have LeBron in the game. Uh But both of these lineups will work when you apply the analytics to it, depending on who you're playing, right? If you want to get to the rim, there's your lineup. Now, how about guys that can just create their own shot because that was a big problem. Nobody could shoot from the outside with LeBron not in the game. According to the analytics, Russell Westbrook certainly would be the playmaker in this group. Malik Monk, Kent Bazemore, Carmelo Anthony, and Marcus Gasol. They rank very highly if what we need to do is move the ball around and get some shots up without LeBron in the lineup. And then there's this. Let's say LeBron is not in the lineup, but you want to be balanced, all right? 
we're, we're not going to attack the rim, but we just don't want to fire the ball around and shoot. What can we do to have a balanced lineup without LeBron in the game? Well, you would have Russell Westbrook, Kendrick Nunn, Kent Bazemore, Trevor Ariza, and Anthony Davis. So the interesting thing about this is, in a world where analytics and statistics play such a huge role, maybe Rodney, what Rob Polinka did, was sat down, looked at their deficiencies, looked at what they needed, didn't go on gut or emotion, obviously ran it all by LeBron, but said, all right, without you in the lineup, that's a problem. So what we're going to do is build scenarios where we can do different things with different guys analytically without you being in the lineup. Now, these guys all have to perform, by the way. You know, if Carmelo Anthony goes one for 12 from the field, you got a problem. But statistically speaking... Wait a minute, wait a minute. What did you say? If Carmelo Anthony goes one for 12 from the field, that's a problem. Yeah, for, so you still have to perform. Right, that's what I said. you got to perform. Okay. But statistically and analytically speaking, these are different lineups that the Lakers can employ during the season that should work. Maybe he just based everything on analytics. Because <laughs> what he based it on last year didn't work. I don't think you could base everything on one thing. That's 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 for sure. Because uh, also in that article, it you know he talked about LeBron playing eighteen seasons for three different franchises, four different stints, and of those eighteen seasons, it's the same pattern as when he's on the floor, they outscore their opponents, and it, and it's not even close. And when he's off the floor, they take a nosedive. And that's been with every team he's been with. So if that's the case, then then why haven't the, uh, the teams been built that way to alleviate that and work? Maybe they have put together teams like that, but it just didn't work. Because like you mentioned, you still have to play the game. You still have to go perform. Yeah, maybe those teams were built on heart. And now these are built on analytics. <laughs> it's kind of like the Dodgers. Maybe they're taking that approach. Right? We see what the numbers say. We know who you're good against. We know who you're bad against. We're just going to play the percentages here. We're going to get guys that we know can do certain things. And then we're going to put them yeah. in situations where, in theory, they but should succeed. But it's still the same thing. Look, I, I look. Uh, we're going to put a lineup together against the Dodgers of guys that hit great hit great against right-handed pitching. And we're going to put a, we're going to heavy left-handed lineup. Well, you still got to account for the fact that they're facing Max Scherzer, who is one of the best in the league. So it doesn't matter who, oh, I'm great against right-handers. It's who that right-hander is that you are facing that you got to deal with. Analytics may tell you, yeah, he's great against the right-hander versus a guy that says, I'm I'm great against Max Scherzer. So, and I'm a right-handed hitter. Do I play the right-hander or do I play the left-hander? That's where you got to, the players have to decide of the outcome because if you go with strictly analytics and you go righty, lefty, righty, lefty, but you're going to sit a guy on the bench that hits Max Scherzer well over his career, but because it says play a left-hander against Max Scherzer, you're going to play the left-hander. I don't know why you have to sit here and blow up Rob Polinka's uh, <laughs> plan. I don't know why you have to do that. You know what? You do that one more time, and he's going to set up dinner with Heath Ledger for you. Come on. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs>
<laughs> he came back firing. <laughs> he came back firing on all cylinders. <laughs> I'm back. Okay. So Trevor Bauer's accuser in his sexual assault charge is testifying in court right now. I don't believe cameras are in there, but we've got somebody in there, and he's going to join us at 2.30. Yes. 